This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Ab, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Gonzo, also known as Super G, is in the building. And Jenna X is joining us on this Tuesday, so I am very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Ripple is changing the crypto custody game with their new acquisition of Medico, potentially unlocking a partnership with Citibank in the process. Kathy Wood is warning tech investors that AI is here to replace your industries, claiming that companies like Google and Amazon's best days are behind them. There's rumor of a Ripple settlement in full effect on Twitter with CEO Brad Garlinghouse giving us signs through his liked tweets. And with the World Economic Forum warning of a global blackout in 2024, we break down the details, showing our community how a once-in-a-lifetime shift is already underway. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, I see you're back at home base and not at the lake house this morning. So I'm sorry for the disappointment. But first of all, how are you feeling? And thanks for being here. Abs, I'm always feeling great. I think the live is my best part of the show. I really get I get all pumped up for that part. I really love it. But yeah, happy Tuesday to everybody. The holidays are over. It's cold at the lake house today, so I'm back at home. But good morning to all the war maniacs. I love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Can't wait to hop into it. Abs, I didn't even recognize who that is below you there. Look at that baby face. I know. We got a, a new youngster. We, we had to get a new, he's 28 years old. Look at him. He's like a baby. We had to give NFT Tones the boot this morning, guys. We brought in a new youngster. Gonzo, how you feeling, my my friend, thanks for making time for us. I'm feeling good, man. I'm not 100, percent but yeah, I had to shave my goatee for the event that I did yesterday, and so now I got to grow it back. But it's it's so funny because even Shelly yesterday when she came home, she went to go visit her stepdaughter at college. She came home and she was like, "Oh, you shaved?" She's like, "Man, you look so young." So uh, yeah, every once in a while you got to shave. But um, yeah, man, just excited to be here with you guys. I only get to do one day this week, but like 
what's exciting is that June is the last month starting in July. I'll rotate to my other schedule. So hopefully I'll be on more. So it'll be cool. But uh, yeah, love you guys. And just excited to be here today. Very cool. And Jenna, we've got a bunch of exciting news prepared. We're going to talk about the medical acquisition, but we're specifically going to talk about settlement claims and settlement rumors going on on Twitter today. But first of all, how are you feeling? And thanks for being here. I am feeling fabulous as always. Thank you so much for having me, Gonzo. I'm loving the baby face. Guys, I shaved this morning too. You guys didn't even notice. <laughs> what we did notice was that beautiful Merlin shirt you're wearing. Look at that shirt you're wearing, Jenna. Look at how pretty that thing looks. Never miss an opportunity for a free promotion, as Johnny Crypto would say. And guys, we got 190 go. listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're going to get this show started the same way we always do by showing you my Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. At 4,268 followers, go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is at a neutral 51 this morning, Johnny. But when we check out some of the daily movers, it's split across the board. We've got PLSX down about 25%, HEX down 15%, but XRP is up nearly 3.5% on the day. When we check out the total coin market cap this morning, we are sitting at $1.15 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 46% dominance. Ethereum is about 20%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 26,700. Ethereum, 1,900. XRP, it's only a quarter of a penny below 50 cents. And we're going to be discussing this later in the episode. Cardano is 38 cents. And one of our favorites, Quant Network, is having a breakout of its own Johnny Crypto sitting at 114. And guys, we're going to be talking about a lot of interesting stuff today. But one of the biggest topics, Johnny, has been the NASDAQ custody services and the ripple rumors this week so that's some pretty exciting stuff but what's sticking out to you most before we get into our articles oh this freaking prices i hate this this it was a hundred it was like a 98 bucks the other day what the hell is going on over here? come it's on johnny you got well, how many months do you need to accumulate my friend i know i need this thing at 60 man i told mario you can buy it at six i wanted to get close to 60 i'm hoping but i'm not sure we're ever gonna say i don't even know we're gonna see 80 on this thing but i'm keeping my eye on that one because I want to buy that some bitch a lot lower than it is right now, Ab. So that that's the one I've got my eye on. But it just doesn't want it doesn't want to come to Papa. I don't I don't understand. Never call yourself Papa again on Good Morning Crypto. But we got 219 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I'm just kidding, Johnny. I have so much love for you. But Gonzo, I did want to get a quick comment before we get into our articles. We're seeing the market actually perform very bullish over the last couple of months, and people are anticipating that Bitcoin could get that final leg to about 32,000. What are you seeing on some of the macro charts? And then we'll get into the show. Yeah, you know, I think that's what we've all been waiting for. I think we got like a, a pullback and a pretty good bounce. And, and I'm still leaning towards that, right? I still think we can get bullish price action um, going into June. So I've just kind of been just kind of buying my time, right? Maybe looking into the AI projects. I know we've talked about Render. Um, what I was talking to you this morning about was uh, was Solana, right? Because Render moved to Solana. And then as far as like that AI narrative, there was a tweet that Elon Musk made about like AI language and in the future, what are kind of dApps that are going to be built using AI? Is it like the developers said Python, Elon Musk said Rust, right? And so Rust, um, the number one application that's built on Rust is Solana, right? And so we've talked about this before on the show with Solana, as far as what they're trying to build on your cell phone, right? That's why they came out with that deal with the cell phone. Um, if they can build something on a phone, and then include AI, it's going to be definitely a game changer. And so when you look at Solana and the beating that it took last year, my opinion is that if it was going to go to zero, I think it would have gone to zero last year with all the FTX craziness or whatever. 
the fact that it's still around, I think it's going to be around in the next bull run. And, and just like all the other different kind of narratives that we're going to have in the next bull run might be a good idea not financial advice. But what I'm doing is building a position in Solana in case they're able to kind of fulfill that prophecy and build. Right. Cause we don't know. Right. Like, I think Elon, he's a very smart guy, so we can kind of follow what he says, but you got another developer that's saying it's the Python, right? So there are a lot of different applications that can be built with different languages, but you know, so far it's looking pretty good for Solana. Some pretty exciting stuff, and we're going to get into an article later in the show where Kathy Wood is warning people, Google, Apple, and Amazon, all their best days could be behind them, and that could be due to artificial intelligence replacing many of the key aspects of their industry. But guys, we got 231 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Jenna, we're coming to you first right after this video because they are discussing possible settlement claims between William Hinman and Ripple way before we got into 2023. So we're going to break this clip down and go back to you here. Here we go. Have you heard anything about a, a potential settlement that was maybe broached or anything buzz around that? I did hear something yesterday, and I'm not going to say the source, obviously, but what a question. it was, <laughs> I never tell my sources, but it was from a, it was a source of a source. So this person told me that they had heard um, that yeah. the, uh, that Jay Clayton, actually, when the Ripple case was brought in December, 2020, Jay Clayton had been in favor of settling pretty much right off the bat. But that Bill Hinman had been driving it home saying, no, this we're going to carry on with this case. I heard Clayton was in favor of settling. Bill Hinman was not. I don't know if that's true. Um, but that's what I heard yesterday, just in answer to your question. Jen, I think that's a perfect time to turn it over to you for some comments. But one of the key details I think I want to point out before I do is that William Hinman left the SEC on December 4th of 2020, but he came back specifically to have a meeting with Ripple and XRP on December 7th. Well, what did she just break down that during that meeting, he may have told Will or sorry, Jay Clayton that they do not want to settle with Ripple. They'd much rather go to court and drag this thing out for some litigation. So what stuck out to you? What stuck out most to you, Jenna? I think it was the 10th he came back, but nevertheless, it was after he had already left. And I'm with John Deaton on this. Anyone who doesn't think that there is something going on behind the scenes. I mean, obviously, if it smells like a fish, it probably is, but there. Definitely, definitely have an agenda, 100%. But they called it. I mean, they're right on this. So, And this is the latest update out of John Deaton. He said, why is William Hinman meeting with Ripple on December 10th when he was no longer an SEC employee starting on December 4th? He was a private citizen working for the EEA law firm. And anyone who doesn't acknowledge that Hinman had an agenda is just being ignorant. With that being said, Johnny and Gonzo, what's it mean to you? Oh, I mean, that's literally what I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, him wasn't an employee, but why is he even involved? Why does this say matter, right? And obviously, the fact that it, that his opinion, uh, you know, kind of overruled what the actual chair was thinking shows you right there who has the real power. And, and that's why I think you heard Brad say, wait till you see these Hinman emails. There's probably so many damning evidence in those things that I would imagine when they come out, we'll probably get a ruling pretty quickly, Apps, but... I really thought Ellie was going to tell us what date we were going to hear something, but it sounds like we're not going to get the date. Yeah, I think that was, I mean, that was an older interview. Um, I, I think that they're just kind of retreating, but it definitely supports the theory when you connect the dots of when you look at the overall picture. And, and now, like, if you connect, like, Hinman and his speech, right, now his famous speech at Yahoo, and now with those emails, 
it sure does show that there was uh, that is definitely inappropriate, right? He's meeting with them and now he's pushing Jay Clayton. Don't settle. You know, we're going to go ahead and fight this thing. And he had already given Ethereum the free pass. So yeah, we're all just kind of waiting to see what these emails say, but whatever it is, it's going to be really damning. But yeah, that just supports the ETHgate theory. And we've always believed that the ETHgate thing was real, right? I don't think anyone here, uh, regardless of whether, you know, it's a separate issue whether ETH is a good investment or not to whether if ETHgate was real. And I think we're all on the same page that, yeah, there was definitely some impropriety. There was some scandalous shit that happened. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that's just more evidence to show that something inappropriate happened. And I think when those emails get released, it'll really kind of connect more dots and really kind of show us what happened. Well, Johnny Crypto, we have a saying in our community, you show me the chart and I'll tell you the news. And the XRP price chart is currently looking better than ever while Ripple settlement discussions are finally getting to a boiling point. But guys, we got 291 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button and check out this XRP price chart right here because Johnny, there's almost no resistance once we get above that 57 cent price mark. And that's what I want to highlight for our listeners right after we break about 53 cents and blockchain backers said the same thing in his video this morning. 53 cents is the key range to watching. Johnny, I don't know if you're listening right now, but one of the things I do want to point out is 53 cents is the number to watch. If we break above 53 cents, there's no resistance after about 58, and that would take us to the low 80 cent range. I'd love to hear what you're anticipating. Is this another example of show me the chart? I'll tell you the news. Yeah, you know, potentially you are certainly. Well, I mean, there's a lot of excitement. This this is a very, within this community, there are a lot of people well aware of what's going on in this space. So you know, we've seen a couple of times where there was this anticipation that something was going to happen. Like in March, we saw a bump up because everybody thought something was going to happen and then nothing did. And now I think you're getting that same kind of thing. The difference now Abs, is we are actually getting close, I think, to an end on this thing. Because either, you know, if we don't get something by the end of September, the judge is going to be sitting in front of Congress getting her, getting, her, um, getting smacked around. So I, I would imagine she doesn't want that to happen. And I would think we'll, we'll see something between now and then. So, yeah, I mean, the chart is 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 gearing up. But again, abs, gearing up for what? 80 cents? I can, I can lie to you. 80 cents or a dollar doesn't get me that excited, okay? I'm waiting for a much bigger number. Here's what gets me a little bit excited, Johnny. If we can get some price discovery here, we can get some bullish momentum. There's almost no resistance on the chart. So to go from 50 cents to 80 cents to maybe a dollar 40 cents, we're talking about two to three X gains in such a short period of time. It's not retirement fund money, but at the same time, it's a little bit of money for your bank account, right? No doubt. And guess what? A lot of people are going to sell out at a dollar eighty, they're gonna kick themselves later when it's you know five ten bucks somewhere down the road. But we'll see how that whole thing plays out. However, if you have an exit plan and you play it right, you may be able to sell high and buy back in again if it pulls back. Um, the reality is, for me, I'm just waiting for the next bull run to see where it can go. And one of the biggest stories this week, Jenna, was that Medico Act was actually acquired by Ripple for nearly quarter of a billion dollars, and the Nasdaq was congratulating them on that acquisition as the Nasdaq congratulates Ripple on their acquisition of Medico. And for any of our YouTube listeners, we're showing that on screen. But I did want to get some thoughts. What does it mean to you about the XRP price chart and whatever's on your mind? Um, honestly, yeah, I, I'm with Johnny. Like, I would definitely get more excited the higher up we get. 80 cents, a dollar doesn't necessarily do it for me. But, you know, bullish is great. But what I would really love to see is people taking their profits and putting it back into certain XRPL projects that actually, you know, need 
to thrive. I, we want XRP to be used. And so many people are just like pinching it so tightly, not using it right now. But guys, we need to be transacting with it and using it. So that's something I would definitely love to see more of, especially as people make gains. Gonzo, I'd love to get some comments from you as well. And feel free to comment on this latest article as well, because we talked about a lot about this on the show yesterday. Brad Garlinghouse liked a tweet that the digital asset investor put out that he said, dimes to dozens, this Ripple versus SEC lawsuit is over. Brad Garlinghouse liked that clip, and he knew people like us would be paying attention. So what does that mean to you, Gonzo? Yeah, you know, as far as the price action, the only reason I'm paying attention to it now is because I started dollar cost averaging back into XRP because I'm building a different bag, right? And so I'm going to keep buying at these lower levels because once it's up to 80 cents and a dollars, I'll stop. So that's the only reason why I'm paying attention. Because like I said, I'm just building a different bag that I'm going to be able to pull profits at a certain point. And then I have my other long-term bag. Um, and as far as the article, um, yeah, I, I mean, we know, right, because of talking to John Deaton and the way that it works with these rulings that the judge has until September to make a ruling before she has to kind of go an answer for why she hasn't come out with the ruling yet. And then they kind of get in trouble. It doesn't look good for them. It's like a negative mark. So no, so we're, we know that we're going to get an announcement from here to there. Right. And so for now, like you said, I'm just dollar cost averaging continuously into my separate bag. And when it happens, it happens. We, I mean, we're already leaning towards the fact that they're going to win. Um, I, I think that there's going to be, uh, it's not a hundred percent win. It'll be kind of like a, 90% win. I think she'll probably have to address something about maybe initial sales at some point, And then it became, there was a transition point. So I don't think they're going to get like all out 100% win. I think there'll be like a small thing there uh, because that's what makes sense. But, um, but definitely, you know, they're going to get mostly a win and then this thing's going to um, end up moving. And Johnny, we discussed these connections yesterday. If Ripple was to IPO, it would obviously go on the New York stock exchange and be listed under the NASDAQ because they're a tech company within the United States. That's only makes sense. But here's a connection that nobody I've seen on zero YouTube channels. So this is breaking news on Good Morning Crypto. One of the reasons that the Ripple Medico acquisition is so important is because Medico is partnered with Citibank. And what has Citibank told us many, many times before? They are massive advocates of central bank digital currencies. And they think central bank digital currencies could reach $8 trillion in total volume by the year 2030. So Johnny, what do you think here? Does the NASDAQ know something we don't? How do you feel about Ripple being indirectly connected to Citibank through this Medico acquisition? These guys aren't stupid, Abs. They, they know what's coming, and they're all putting themselves in position. You're seeing all the ships. It's like a battle, right? And all the ships slowly move into position so they can get ready for when it takes off. And I, I don't want to use the word battle. That's the wrong word. But they're just preparing for the, for the new technology that's coming. And everybody behind the scenes is kind of doing what they need to do. Nobody knows the winners. Everybody's trying to figure out, you know, who's which technology is going to dominate. Where's the right place to be? And there's going to be a lot of shifting. You know, today it's going to be medical. Tomorrow will be something else. They'll, they'll be switching and dropping and you, you can't panic. But what's encouraging here is to see that, you know, City was thinking of Medico, I guess, to help custody their stuff. And well, now that's going to go through Ripple. And that just makes me, frankly, more and more bullish on Ripple the company, and I don't want people to ever think when we say Ripple, the company, that we're talking about XRP, the token. They're completely different, and you should never never assume they're the same thing. So for this particular piece of it, I'm extremely excited for Ripple, the company, because of the fact that, you know, you can buy Ripple on the, on the uh, in, through Link2, 
as an I, you know, pre-IPO. So uh, that to me is very big for what they're doing. Now, the good news for Ripple is as an XRP holder, you want to see Ripple do well because if they're doing well, you know, they're going to obviously do things to invest and promote the ODL. And that's going to then help XRP. So for me, if Ripple is healthy, I think that's a good thing for XRP in the long run, but they are not the same thing. Jen, I'd like to get some comments from you as well. And this was the article I was connecting it with. Citibank sees $5 trillion of central bank digital currencies will be circulating in this economy by the end of the decade. And obviously, Ripple is going to be playing some sort of a role here. So how do you feel about Medico and Citibank having a partnership after Ripple was acquired? Or sorry, after Ripple acquired that company? I mean, bullish. The only bad part is that like a lot of this, I think, will be on private ledgers, you know, not necessarily running through a public blockchain like on the XRPL. But hey, that's okay. This is great. This is great news. And we're seeing everything. Not that I think CBDCs are good, but looking at the partnerships and with Ripple acquiring Medico and everything and their partnership with Citibank, I mean, this is really huge news for Ripple. And Gonzo, there's a reason we always talk about Quant Network on our channel. And Quant is doing something historic when it comes to the digital pound right now is they're using Quant Network's token to bridge the traditional financial system to the digital financial system. But before we get into that, we got 325 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And this is an article I'm excited for Johnny Crypto to comment on in particular because Johnny Crypto has been telling our listeners, stack your crypto, stack your gold, and stack your your cans of tuna because we could be having a blackout globally at some point. And now the World Economic Forum is warning I guess everybody on the planet that a global blackout could be imminent. Here's a quick quick video, and then we're going to Johnny. Here we go. What would you do if they brought the power grid down? And by they, I mean if the government purposefully brought the power grid down. And I'm not asking that question for fun. I'm asking that question because the World Economic Forum um, is predicting that a cyber pandemic, you can look this up, been running exercises about it this year, um, is inevitable. You're probably saying, what is a cyber pandemic? It doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, what are, what are we even talking about? Well, first of all, the reason I'm even paying attention to the World Economic Forum and their exercises is because they notoriously, in 2019, ran an exercise for a coronavirus pandemic that oddly all became true. I mean, without one slight difference, they said that uh, the coronavirus was going to escape from a wet market in South America. Of course, when the coronavirus uh, swept the nation, uh, swept the world in 2020, they said that it escaped from a wet market in China. You can still look that up, by the way. That's not a conspiracy theory. Um, that uh, they simulated that coronavirus pandemic. It was the World Economic Forum in collaboration with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, in collaboration with John Hopkins University. And you know, abs. You're muted. Oh, sorry, guys. I'm still getting used to this new software update. I got to pop my mic when I play the videos. But one of the things that sticks out to me here, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the World Economic Forum, they're not only working together in initiatives like this, they're working together with Ripple. So I just wanted to throw that in there, Johnny. What sticks out to you? Yeah, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, <clears throat> whether you like her or hate her or whatever, it doesn't matter. Look at the historical facts. Is In 2019, the WEF talked about a coronavirus, and then it happened. They also, in 2015, they were talking about that as well, and so it came eventually. Now they're talking about blackouts. You better be worried. It's coming. And listen, don't say I didn't tell you. You better have cans of tuna stocked up and other fish. You better, you know, you can shake your head, whatever, but the reality is, guys, better, it, I always go by this uh, this option, apps. It's better to have it and not need it 
than need it and not have it. So hope we get your gold, get your silver, maybe some cash in the house. Definitely better have lead, and you better have some cans of tuna because without the food, you know, silver and gold didn't taste good the last time I remember tasting it. Gonzo, I'm kicking it to you for some additional comments, and then we're going to break down this video about how digital IDs and central bank digital currencies, they are already linking accounts in China. So this is an interesting update, but what stuck out to you? Yeah, I mean, if if we get a global blackout, like the least of your worries is like access to your crypto, right? What to keep in mind, because we're a crypto related show, is that your crypto is on the blockchain. And so uh, as long as you have your keys, when the power comes back up, you'll be able to access it. Right. And then I think the other important thing is, is, you you know, you want to prepare if that's what makes you sleep at night. Right. Then do that. But you don't want to live in fear. Right. Like when we had this talk last time, uh, I, want, I feel like it was like last year where there was a lot of hype about this. Right. And who knows if it keeps coming back. And then we had a lot of questions in the academy and people were almost like it was an imminent thing. And you just can't live your life like that, right? Like you can't live in fear. You got to go out and do what you do and then deal with it as it comes, right? But would I, am I going to be shocked if, if we get some kind of uh, global kind of blackout, a temporary thing that happens? Absolutely not, because we've already seen with the history, they, they kind of do these uh, practice things and then they end up happening, right? So um, I'm not going to be surprised at all. So whatever help you sleep, whatever helps you sleep at night. And so being prepared and stocking certain things helps you sleep at night, then go ahead and do that. Jenna, I'd like to get some thoughts from you as well. But Johnny, I think Gonzo agrees, stack your tuna. <laughs> I think I think there was in that there was stack the tuna a little bit in there, but I agree with Gonzo. You don't want like yeah. fear, but you gotta be smart. If you know something's coming, just just prepare. We're telling you, start thinking about it. You know, when you're at the store, buy an extra can or two or whatever the hell you like to eat. Um, Especially when I it agree. comes like to medications too. Like you always want to have, like if you're a person that has health issues and you require certain medications, like you need to make sure you're talking to your doctors and you have extra medication that's going to hold you over in case you don't have access to the pharmacy and different things like that. So whatever you need, like on a day-to-day -to, -day to survive, that's what you need to make sure that you have uh, extra of just in case. Oh, a hundred percent. That'll be that'll be the first thing to make people go, um, you know, commit crimes and everything. If they need to save their loved one, if they're diabetic and they need to get medication, everything, absolutely a good thing to stock up on, but to stay vigilant. Right. And even just to have like Faraday cages, you know, that's something simple that you could do to put in your hardware wallets and whatever. But even though we we're not big fans of cash, have some cash on hand, just keep it away, keep it safe. You never know what you're going to need, but don't, panic like it's not like get obsessed with it do your updates on all of your software back up what you need to have backed up look into all of that have your 2fa all of those good things but it's just a matter of being prepared so it, you're just not overwhelmed or freaking out at once because it will pass that's right and at the end of the day it better have gas if you have a generator make sure you got make sure you get some gas ahead of time you're going to want to make sure you're prepared and shout out to Gary Gensler in the live chat, guys. But I do want to get a comment here as Brad Garlinghouse is indicating Ripple could soon IPO, but we're going to have to draw some connections between their Amazon hiring and Ripple's initial public offering coming to the New York Stock Exchange. This is a tweet out of Mr. Huber. He puts out great content on Twitter. He said, you do realize that Ripple did within just 72 hours since uh, Torres issued her order for the Hymen emails. They acquired Medico, launched a CBDC platform, and hired an ex-Amazon CFO. Well, there's an article that he's referencing here, and it says six things CEOs should know before doing an IPO. The number one thing on the list 
is have a great CFO in place. And so what did they do? They just checked that box, Johnny, by getting one of the best in the industry. How do you feel about these connections? I'm loving the research. I'm loving the sleuth you did here. Abs. That is, uh, that is, that is actually what's number two. That's what I want to know now, but they still checked off number one. Good for them. I mean, listen, there's no surprise here. I don't know why anybody's surprised. <clears throat> Brad wanted to go public. He said he wanted to take ripple IPO in 2021. He would have done it during the 2021 bull run. If they didn't have the SEC monkey on their back, that, that might even be one of the reasons why, um, it did happen. Who knows? But the reality is that killed that whole entire plan. He would have launched this thing during the same exact time when Coinbase did at the peak of the of the crypto market. And so what I think is now what you're going to see is they'll get the monkey off their back, hopefully, hopefully this year. And I think you'll see almost certainly as much as I'm saying you should have Kansas too. And I think you're probably going to see an IPO in 20 sometime in the bull run. If it's 2024, if it happens late 24, then in 2025, but somewhere in the next bull run, it won't surprise me. How long does that process take, Johnny? Do, or do any of you know? Like, so once they win the lawsuit, because we get, we get, I get that question sometimes in the academy for the people that can like invest in Ripple stock through Link to. Once they win that lawsuit, like, how long does that process take to get through all the applications, all the things that they have to do with the SEC before they can go public? Do you guys know, like, roughly, is it like a year process, two year process? Because I think didn't Coinbase take about two years? to get through the whole process? Yeah, I mean, I don't know the answer to it exactly, but if I had to guess, they've already probably got a lot of that prep work. <laughs> Maybe they're doing a lot of that already, but I would guess it's at least six months to a year. Gonzo, there's a lot of work that has to go through finding, you know, who's going to broker the deal. You got to go through the SEC and get their approval. It's not a, a simple task, and there's a lot of things involved. But if I had to guess, I would say anywhere, you know, I would put it somewhere between three, three months and a year, somewhere in that range, I would think. If you've already started the ball, and I think they've got the ball rolling already, to be honest with you. Spot on, Johnny. And this is an article I'm excited to show our listeners. As prototype testing exercise shows that it's possible to integrate the digital euro with the existing European payment system. And now, Johnny, why is this article such a big deal? Because they're using the quant token to connect distributed ledger technology with the existing payment system. So this is an exciting Twitter thread for all of our listeners because Nexi, who is official partner of Quant Network, is one of the largest banking partners on the planet. And what we're seeing right now is them to actually start utilizing the Quant token to bridge traditional finance with the new financial system. So I know you're the Quant Network guy. A lot of our listeners are thankful that you showed it to them. What does this news mean to you that banks are finally starting to use the token for its actual utility and application? Uh, Abs, can you, <clears throat> can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Hey, check this out. So I Googled it while we were waiting to answer Gonzo's question. And it says here for an IPO, it takes typically six to nine months. So there you go, Gonzo. There's your answer. And it uh, looks like I was kind of close. But uh, Abs, going back to you. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to derail. I just wanted to close the loop there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, from a quant perspective, I've always been, as you know, very, very bullish on quant. I think, you know, they kind of represent to me what TCPIP did in the early uh, years or days of the startup of of the uh, the um, the web 1.0 or you know when you were in diapers right so I think from that perspective that's why I've been totally excited about quant because I see it as uh, a very similar common thing to a, an enabler to letting the whole damn thing work and so from that perspective I'm not surprised to hear or see this news in fact I expect it and I expect to hear more and more of this coming on it's very very bullish news in my in my opinion abs 
Jen and probably and probably why we saw a thirteen dollar pump too. Yeah, exactly, Johnny. And one of the tokens that we always talk about is this token, Quant Network and XLM, Jenna. And we're seeing some litigation come out of Europe where XLM could be in a situation to be utilized by the big banks. But here we have hard evidence that banks are currently using Quant's token. So what does that mean to you? It means they love the DLT. They love the distributed ledger technology. Um, it seems to be a common trend with CBDCs. And um, I'm really bullish on XLM. I was looking the other day and did this thing with um, XLM with a market cap of ETH right now is like $8 and something, which guys, that would not be crazy to think about because with CBDCs and everything being used, it's all going to go through XLM on the public ledger. It's not, they don't have like private ones and everything. Jeb McCaleb's already said it's all going to be public. So I love it. And Jenna, another interesting article is the fact that Stellar is in a position to take advantage of the new regulation coming out of Europe because Stellar has one of the best know your customer protocols that exist today. And guys, we got over 350 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And as interesting as this Stellar article is, I'd love to get into this article about how Google, Apple and Amazon are about to be taken over by artificial intelligence, this brand new technology. So Kathy Wood, the CEO of ARK Invest, said that the ruling giants of the technology industry are at risk of being disrupted by AI. For Google, ChatGPT is either the worst thing that's ever happened or maybe the best thing. We're we are not going to need the kind of search engines and therefore advertising that drives Google's model. So we do need to worry about that one and Apple. Woods also named Amazon as a possible victim of AI, saying if something like ChatGPT or another bot learns how to score the internet for items cheaper than Amazon, Amazon is going to be in big trouble. And AI tools say, I want exactly this kind of item for the cheapest price somewhere in the world. Eventually, AI is going to be able to pull that up for you better than Amazon, and that's going to ruin their business model. So, Johnny, do you agree with her? For Apple, Amazon, and Google, the best days are behind them. Well, listen, you have to understand a lot of these companies are built on data. And what does AI do best? It takes data and analyzes better than anything else can. So there's no doubt about it that there is some truth in the threat that this can be. No question, you know, the API, that, that um, the AI. But the, here's the difference. These companies you're mentioning are very, very smart. I can't imagine that they're not finding ways to implement AI into their business model if they're not doing it already. If they're not. They will be sh sh shortly, but most likely they already are. In fact, Microsoft bought OpenAI, right? So they own it. So, I mean, to me, yes, it's a viable threat, but you don't have morons running these companies. They will find a way to incorporate AI into their daily business. At least that's, that's, what, I, I, that's what I believe. Gonzo and Jenna, I'd like to get some thoughts from you as well. When I look at Google, Amazon, and Apple, they're tech companies that seem to me to be set up to to move into the future with this new technology. I don't think any of those big three are going to be left behind, but that's just my opinion. Gonzo, what's it mean to you? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think that you're going to get a uh, a Netflix, you know, blockbuster moment, right? I, I think these guys understand that they either change or die, right? And so, you know, she brings up a good point. She's a smart lady, but also understand too, like do your own research because she is human, right? As, as great calls as she's made, they've also had not so good calls, right? They got into NVIDIA in like 2013, 2012 at $4. They rolled it all the way up. They pulled profits and then they didn't get back in, right? When NVIDIA was down at $100, they decided to go with Tesla. Now, if you look at how that played out, not such a great call, right? Because NVIDIA has absolutely exploded with that new kind of technology that they're coming out with. And Tesla is where it is, right? 
Um, but you know, she's definitely way smarter than us. So like do your research and things to pay attention to. But um, I think you guys are right. I think abs is right too. These, these companies, they're going to find a way to take all that data that they now have and, and monetize it in a new way using AI. Spot on. And one of the things that comes to mind, Jenna, is Elon Musk was talking about how he used to work with the founder of Google's AI protocol. And Johnny, I, you're probably going to remember the conversation I'm talking about here. He was having a conversation late into the night in the early 2000s discussing the future of AI. And the conversation began to turn into um, a conversation about the future of humanity and the role and relationship that artificial intelligence and human beings would have with one another. Well, the founder of Google's AI, he called Elon Musk a humanist, a speciesist. Because he had human obligations. He said, you're not looking out what's best for technology. You're looking out for human beings. And he used that as a criticism. So I thought that was pretty interesting. When you look at these tech companies, a lot of them are more than willing to use AI. So what do you think? I mean, God forbid that someone stand up for the human race, right? Like, especially it's, it's crazy that Elon Musk even did that because he's integrating computer chips into our brains, right? Which is, it can help a zillion different things, but it's also pretty scary because we can turn into essentially robots. But just to think that Google is not going to be prepared for this would be absolutely ridiculous because they are a huge company and they're already partnered and integrated with AI. So I'm sure that they will find a way to work it out because also when we go to like chat GPT and everything like that, yeah, this is cool. But we also want to do our own research because at the end of the day, it's only going to show us what it wants to show us, what a human programmed it to show us. So I think it's really important that we still get our sources from other places. Spot on. There's always personal bias, even within AI. And Johnny, this is another Ab, Ab, before you leave, I just want to comment there are a couple of things on that, if I can real quick on that. One, the best part of that conversation that you were just talking about was when, Eli, when the guy was like, why do you care about humanity? He goes, because I'm freaking human. You know that? But more importantly, here's the sad part about AI. While it can advance technology and move things forward, the problem is it's going to, it's going to, people are going to be using their brains less. The more you rely on a calculator or a computer or AI, the less you're actually developing yourself and developing human civilization. Think about it. If you don't have to know how to do anything, well, you're not going to learn how to do anything. You're just going to ask a computer. Well, here's the problem. When the power goes out, what the hell are you going to do? Now you don't know what that, now you've got, you have no skill set because you rely on this one thing. So that's to me the bigger danger. If you were to ask Johnny, me real that. quick, I have two rebuttals there. So my first one would be, I don't believe in the blackout narrative because I don't think there's any incentive for the powers that be to totally collapse the system. I think it's much better that they have some sort of a controlled chaos situation, present us a solution and then move us into some di sort of digital age where we have to give up a lot of personal information. The second thing is, you kind of sound like the teacher that said you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket. As long as there's no blackout, every single person is going to have AI as part of their cell phone and eventually maybe even part of their human being. So I think it's, I think it's interesting. What do you, how do you feel about my rebuttal? Well, no, I think those are fair points. There's no question about it. And so as long as, you know, I had a stupid phone. So, I mean, I think at the end of the day, the point is me personally, I prefer to know how to do things than to always just rely on a computer. Because the reality is you may not always have access to that computer, whatever it's going to be or whenever it's going to be. Who knows? But my point is we are losing the ability to pass down what we've known from tradition to tradition, family to family, how to do things. And, you know, if you got a computer telling you how to do everything, well, remember, somebody programs that computer. 
And though, so therefore, you know, you now, now you kind of take the thinking out of it. And to me, that's just a dangerous place to be, but maybe I'm just old school. Maybe, maybe. Well now, and now you're going to have like now with the new NVIDIA chip and all that, you're going to have AI programming AI, not just developers programming AI. So that's where it really gets crazy. Right. And exponential. Anybody seen the movie Terminator? Seen the movie Terminator? Yeah, Skynet. Oh, Skynet. I was going to say, if the power goes out, Johnny can bust out his Encyclopedia Britannica off the shelf, and he can open it up, and he can read about different should I, things. Should I go get one? You want me to show you where they are? <laughs> I'm sure I'm you sure still got one, bro. So you got one, yeah. Johnny, but definitely, like, once they okay. incorporate AI into your cell phone, you can't see my cell phone, but, like, imagine blockchain, decentralized apps, AI, all on your phone. That's definitely, you know, the game changer, whoever solves all that. Johnny, Steve, do Steve. I almost said Steve will do it. Steve Dove's comments: uh, critical thinking is becoming a rarity, and I think we're already there, Johnny. So when you talked about AI leading people to think less, they said the same thing about computers in the 1980s, and I can't believe I'm telling you this. You should be telling me this. When they first launched the computer, the biggest concern was that computers are going to stop people from thinking, and so it's going to be bad for humanity. Well, little did we know it would be one of the best uh, evolutions of technology we've ever experienced. So, how do you feel about that? Well, I feel that when because it forces as we were developing the computer, it forces critical thinking on how to make it better and do more. Once once the AI is programmed, the computer and humans are anymore. Hey, you don't need humans to do it anymore. So there you go. That's the slippery slope that you're headed towards is you're right to get up to that point. You needed humans to get there. But once you no longer need humans to do stuff, if we get to that level, where's the critical thinking then, Abs? I, you know what? Dude? I think it's technology, right? And so it's neutral. It's what you do with the technology. So if you become lazier and lazier, then that's on you. But you could also use that to expand your knowledge, right? To become an expert in multiple different subject matters, to learn different languages, right? It makes that process easier. So it just depends on you and what you do with that. Because you can take all that information and do great things with it, or you can do absolutely nothing with it or absolutely horrific things with it, right? Gonzo, to close out this conversation, let me get a quick rebuttal from you as well. In Russia today, there are six airports that are integrating digital IDs and biometrics into travel protocols. So going forward, you're going to have to scan your fingerprint and a couple other unique aspects about yourself, maybe your eyeball or something along those lines. And that's going to be how you verify to get on a flight. Now, is that a little bit concerning? We're seeing it isolated in Russia right now, but how long until we see that go mainstream? You know, what's funny is that as concerning as it sounds, as human beings and human nature, you know, people are going to do it out of convenience, right? And so if it makes your ability to go through a line faster at an airport or allows you to travel oh, without take having, uh, do you know what I'm saying? Press line, go ahead, take my blood. Uh, do you know what I'm saying? But that that's human nature, right, bro? And so when it rolls out, I think Waters has talked about this on some of it, like his podcast, right? Whereas like, you know, we always think that like it's this big nefarious thing and I'm not saying that it's not. What I'm saying is that as human beings, we've already seen what we do, that we give up certain liberties uh, at a, as a matter of convenience, right? And it is what it is, right? I'm not saying it's good or bad. Each person has to do what they do. But like when it comes to like traveling and making it easier for you to do things, that's how people fall into it, right? Like right now it sounds like, oh, that's crazy. I'm not going to give them my eye scan or this or that. But then as they transition into that technology and they make it makes your life easier to where now you can just move and do travel and do whatever the hell you want. That's that's how we end up there. Right. hundred percent. People will give up 
privacy and freedoms for convenience over and over and over again. It's crazy, but they absolutely, it's proven. We've seen it happen and it's going to continue to happen. And, and that's just where we're headed. Uh, no, no question about that. Totally agree with you, Gonzo. I think that's what's going to happen. But with that said, Jenna, the floor is yours. Clear got me after a couple of margaritas in the airport a few years ago. So <laughs> guys, they already got me. But you know what sucks too? It's like now that you're going to go to the vending machines and this and that and it's going to scan your retina. That's the part I don't like. And to make purchases and everything, because that's us one step closer to a social credit score. Like, oh, you had two Mountain Dews today. You are clearly a piece of shit. Like, I'm not down with it. <laughs> Spot on. And if they only know about the Mountain Dews, that means they're not checking all the information. But guys, we got 353 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Jenna, you brought up something so important, which is that eventually you're going to have to use your digital ID and biometrics to purchase things from a vending machine that is already taking place in China today. Here's a 20 second video. Here we go. I just realized I don't want to get hit with the copyright here, Johnny, because I don't know if this is, you know, licensed music or not. But what yeah. they are showing right here is people are using their central bank digital currency, which is connected to their digital ID in order to purchase coffee. So the sheeple are in full effect. What's it mean to you, my friend? Well, I'm just curious. Was were they were they able to order? Were they able to spend twelve dollars today, or what's the total? What's the max they were able to spend on that one? And again, obviously, this guy has a a good social credit score because he was actually able to buy coffee. I would imagine if you don't, maybe you can't buy it. But yeah, there it is. It's coming. It's it's already here, and it's just a matter of time before it get. Well, it's already there. It's only a matter of time before it ends up here. And you know what? People say I'm not going to use that bullshit. Most people are going to end up using it. Because most people want coffee, and if that's the only way to get it, you know, human human people will resist for a small portion of time, but then they'll cave to fold like a two dollar bill, and that's what's going to happen here too. For like we said earlier, the convenience. Plus, most people feel like they're not doing anything wrong, so what's the big deal? Great point. And one of the people who's pointing out the hypocrisy in that, the, them thinking they're not doing anything wrong, is Robert F. Kennedy, who spoke at the Bitcoin conference in Miami last week. And Gonzo and Jenna, this is a pretty cool quote because he's calling out the SEC commissioner. And this man, he has a history in politics. So it's really, really important. He said, I don't want people on the SEC commission that are anti-crypto. At most, they should be neutral. And we should have people in there who are from the crypto community. Kennedy also stressed that the SEC's function is now not to protect the American people, but to protect the American banks, particularly the central banks and those interested. What they're doing now is obscure, not transparent, and it's not bringing transparency into our system, said Kennedy. Those are some bold, bold statements there, Gonzo, but all of it seems factual. What's it mean to you? Yeah, I mean, this is how you know that we've transitioned way past that crypto's a scam, crypto's going away, right? And we're in that they fight you stage, and we're going to transition out of that. You've got presidential candidates that are talking pro-cryptocurrency, right? And it's usually the Democrats that are against crypto. So I think it's cool that he is talking pro-crypto because usually the Republicans, right? But you had DeSantis that was on that Twitter spaces that had like what millions and millions of people that were listening. He was very pro-crypto saying the same things. And now you have Robert uh, F. Kennedy Jr. who was at the Bitcoin conference and he was talking about mining Bitcoin and taxing and, and cryptocurrencies. And so that's how, you know, we, we've transitioned. And like Johnny always says, you know, we're so early, right? And this is it. You're seeing it. Like this is going to be a topic in the next presidential election, right? And, and, and for us, we think that we're, it's very small, right? Like the people that are in this thing, 
but it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And now you have presidential candidates that are talking pro crypto and, and he's hundred percent spot on when, what he's talking about with the sec. We've always said this, right? That the secs aren't there. The sec hasn't been acting like it wants to protect investors. It wants to protect the incumbents, which is the banks and he's calling them out. So that's awesome. Right. But there's going to be, you know, in the next election, um, you know, I think crypto and, 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 and blockchain and all of this stuff is going to be on kind of on the ballot and see which way you're going to vote, right? Which one you believe more. And Gonzo, you brought it up yourself. No, there hasn't been many Democrats that have come out in support of cryptocurrency, but Robert Kennedy seems to be one of them. He says, what happens with Bitcoin is very, very democratic. It's all decided by the miners in a democratic way and by algorithms that can't be manipulated. It's the perfect base currency, he said, because there's a finite amount of Bitcoin and the Bitcoin that exists on Earth is infinitely divisible. So it's kind of like the perfect currency. It has an intrinsic value and it gives people a way out. And I like that he used the word democracy several times there, Jenna. What does it mean to you? I mean, that's cute. Like, yeah, Bitcoin's cool, but Bitcoin's not going to be used for daily transactions. All this shit's too old, too slow. No, whatever. Store value. Okay, cool. Um, and, and this whole thing, guys, I, I love the concept of decentralization. I really, really do. But it's not practical for think about it. Governments have to have their hand in everything. And DeSantis, yeah, love him. He's awesome. But no taxes, everything that that's not going to happen, guys. There has to be taxes as much as I don't like them either. It, it is a thing. And we are not going to have one truly decentralized currency. I mean, look, we have CBDCs. We have everything like that coming in. But I love that he's pro-crypto. I love that he's a forward thinker and he's for crypto. Like, that is great. That I'm down with that. I'm down with this dude. Cool. Uh, this is very, very good news for crypto as a whole. I think we talked about this the other day, is whether or not we're going to see crypto discussions in the next presidential elections and you're already starting to see it happen and the reason why that's good is that means now crypto has finally made it to a level in the u.s where presidential candidates think it's important enough to people that it's worth using some of their time to discuss because remember whatever they talk about they have very limited time so they're going to only focus on certain key things that impact and this is a great sign for crypto. Now we are in the, the battle of this whole thing, but this to me, I could, this is exactly what I wanted to see is I want to see our, our future politicians talking about crypto. Um, and, and he's spot on. We should have a balanced representation. Some people pro, some people against, some people neutral that brings the best debates and discussions and usually brings a, a, a solution that works for everybody. So can you name one pro crypto United States regulator? No, I don't. well, I guess Hester Pierce, so you could argue that she's probably. But here's the thing pro. publicly, when she makes these statements, she seems like she's pro crypto, but then she doesn't stop the lawsuits from being filed. Even in the library case in particular, she was on the litigation. She brought that case forward. Yeah. So there you go. That's my point. I mean, at the end of the day, she would be arguably the only one I'm aware of that I would say is pro crypto from. And we know we've got a list of pro crypto senators. We got them on the show. We got them in the link here uh, below. But so there's a few out there. But to me, that is the right place to see them we want to be seeing these discussions happening at this level that just tells me that crypto is not mainstream yet but it's potentially on its way to get there at some point in time this should be very very encouraging news and jenna's right there is no way in the world they're going to let something like crypto happen without taxes and i don't know if you guys all knew but there was a proposal out there for 30 percent tax abs 30 percent tax on bitcoin miners and and now 
thanks to the Republican side and the debt deal they came up with, they've knocked that down uh, to like 10% or something like that. Let me ask your opinion on this, Johnny. Somebody revealed some details about the debt ceiling, and what they found out is that they've raised or suspended the ceiling until after the 2024 election. So what do we know about anybody who doesn't understand market cycles should understand this. Every time there's a presidential election, the fall of that year, the markets go up. It's that plain and simple. Every single election year, you will see the S&P pump. You will see the stock market go up. And that's what they're setting us up for next year. What president wants to be in the office and and, and to be able to let the other guys say, hey, under you, the markets are down 30%. Nobody. How are you going to win an election that way? So, of course, it totally makes sense that they're always going to pump it up going into an election. 100%. That no question about it. We and, and the interesting thing is, Abs will actually be um, will be in the in the heart of the of the crypto bull run at that point. So it could be very very interesting timing. But do you guys know what happens? What's happened in the past? The last time they raised the debt ceiling, what happens to the markets? No, they crash. They went down fourteen percent last time. Now, what's different about this time is instead of raising it with uh, like a money cap, they did it like you said with time, right? So it'll be a 2025 after the presidential election, but that's how it gets capped at time, not with an amount, which last time it was an amount that got capped, right? But the last time that we did this, I think the market corrected like 14%, something like that. So it kind of ties into our narrative of that we think we're going to have some more bullish price action going into June, July, the latest, and then we're going to have some kind of major correction. You know, September's a, a terrible year for for bitcoin and the rest of the market right i think it's been the the worst performing month and so it kind of just falls into that narrative that we're going to have a major correction going into the end of the year and then we hit the bitcoin having next uh next spring and gonzo here's another article i wanted your opinion on specifically as tether is now going to allocate up to 15 percent of its net realized profits into purchasing Bitcoin. And I want to dispel some claims before I kick it back to you here. It said these Bitcoins shall be considered on top of the minimum reserve assets that 100% back the Tether token. So for example, if there's 10 billion tokens in circulation, that means Tether is on 10 billion in assets. And on top of it, they're going to start purchasing this Bitcoin. So it's not going to affect the reserves directly, but it's going to make the company more profitable. How do you feel about this Bitcoin allocation? Yeah, you know, I'm not surprised. I don't don't know if it's going to move the Bitcoin price, but I, I'm not surprised because they're making a shit ton of profits and they need to figure out a way where to put that money. And they don't want to end up like what happened with the banks is they're putting it all into treasury bills that all of a sudden get inverted and it becomes an issue, right? And so I'm not surprised that they're putting it into Bitcoin. Bitcoin, we, they always talk about is it is a store of value and kind of where the price points are right now. Uh, but, you know, there's been several debates on whether it'll actually move the Bitcoin price up. I think it's bullish overall, but when you're looking at the actual like total market cap of Bitcoin and is it going to move the price significantly? Um, you know, I don't think it does, but I'm not surprised that they're doing that. They, they're making a shit ton of money and they need to put that money somewhere. Johnny, I know you have some additional comments as well, but you know where my head goes when I see an article like this? It goes to the Gary Gensler, uh, I guess when he was being questioned in front of Congress, and he said that, The regulation he's setting up is going to bring good companies in and push bad companies out. Well, what do we have? Ever since the USDC collapse from earlier this year, we've seen Tether's market cap increase by nearly $10 trillion. And sorry, not 10 trillion, $10 billion. And we've seen the exact same amount flood out of USDC. So what does that tell me? People are going from United States regulatory projects, projects that have regulation here. They're going overseas instead because there's less speculation about them being sued 
by the Bahama government, which is obviously where Tether is. So how do you feel about that? Yeah, there's certainly no doubt that the people don't trust the, the SEC right now, right? I think that's obvious given. Um, the fact that we're seeing Tether put the money, the extra profits, not into the stock market, not into gold, not into silver, but into actual crypto. And the crypto they chose was Bitcoin. Kind of tells you something. Again, we always say here, you know, do what they do, not what they say. And to me, it's just an encouraging sign going forward of where they believe that the higher level of appreciation is coming from. And there's a lot of talk that Bitcoin's going to be a hundred or two hundred thousand. You know, shit, that's a 10x from where we are right now. So, so I, to me, no surprise at all that that's where they're going. I do think Bitcoin is here to stay. You know, none of us here are Bitcoin maximalists. And I know sometimes we have a few haters in the chat, but that's okay. You can hate us or we hate that hit Bitcoin. I don't care. But the reality is I do believe it is here to stay. I do believe it can be a potentially store of value. It is not good for transactions and things like that. As Jenna said, it's not scalable. It's not, but it's not meant for that. It's not. I mean, it, it was meant for that. But the version that we have today of Bitcoin is not meant for that. It's more slow and it's meant for a store of value. And the reality is if people believe it is, that's all, the only reason why the dollar is worth anything is because people believe in it. If people believe, if billionaires and multiple companies and institutions believe in Bitcoin, and now you got Tether pumping more money into it, it's it's only a matter of time before it becomes real. So to me, I, I do think Bitcoin is here to stay. Jenna, I want to get some closing comments from you, but Johnny brought up something important, which is Tether's buying Bitcoin, but the U.S. government is currently dumping Bitcoin. And we covered an article showing that they're going to dump nearly 200,000 tokens onto the open market before the end of this year, which is a ton of value. So when when Tether's buying, the governments are selling, kind of balances itself out, I guess. What are you anticipating from Bitcoin off this Tether news? Well, I'm not sure. Like the the governments are selling it. This is the is this the Bitcoin that they took from people, like from their taxes yes. and all this stuff, not paying. No, it's the Silk Road, uh, the Silk Road uh, Bitcoin that they took okay. in that investigation. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that this is great for Bitcoin long term. I mean, you know, I I hope that Tether stays around. It would take a lot to shake and break Tether. And I really just don't think that that's going to happen. So definitely good news for Bitcoin. I do believe in the future of Bitcoin long term and everything, just not as a, you know, form of everyday payments and stuff. But I, I definitely will like to accumulate that later after I have my gains on the altcoins. because I think there's a lot more money to be made there, higher ROI. And then later, we'll go take that into a Bitcoin dip, some of it. And abs, remember how a year ago all we kept talking about was how Tether was in trouble, Tether was gonna crash, Tether was gonna take the market up, and instead USDC's in trouble and everything's going to Tether. It's pretty, it's pretty hilarious. And, and we told you back then not to worry. If they're telling you Tether's gonna crash, it's not gonna crash. Guys, I think XRP is pumping hard right now, but I wanted to show this clip because the digital asset investor took a clip of our show and played it on his channel. So pretty exciting here, Johnny. We're going to play the exact same clip for our listeners. This is Linda P. Jones and Johnny Crypto comparing the internet boom to the crypto boom. One thing that is right, almost exact, is how the media is bad-mouthing the new technology. But back in the day when the internet was first coming into being, they talked about it being for porn and how it was you know, for criminals and how they were gonna steal your credit cards if you tried to do any transactions on the internet and how you could ne it would never be safe. Now, the good news is we're, we are here, as we say all the time, we're here so early in this space that I know it feels like we're late because we're sitting here waiting. We are in a fundamental shift of technology from Web 2.0 to 3.0. Mute button. Dang it, I said something funny too, but I'm going to kick it over to you. I don't want to replicate it. What stuck out to you? 
Well, what a handsome! No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that, was, that was a great conversation there. But no, she she's right. You know, there's no doubt about it. And you guys are in diapers, or at least you know, Abs, you're in diapers. Jenna was probably maybe you know in the pacifier stage. But the reality is she's also pumping. I'm sorry to cut you off, Johnny. XRP is currently pumping. We broke past that, and we're testing the 53 cent range. So this is really exciting. Wild. I just wanted to throw that in. Uh-oh, maybe something's coming. We might be getting an announcement tomorrow. People are going to get excited. But you're right. It is pumping. It is humping and pumping there. But, you know, at the end of the day, you really can go back and look and see what happened. If you literally could just copy and paste, you literally could copy the nineteen, the, the late 1990s and, and, and paste them into what we're seeing today uh, for crypto. Literally, that's the same. In fact, Abs, you have the adoption chart. I and mean, we used to show it in the past, which kind of showed the tech boom versus the uh, the internet boom versus the crypto boom. And we kind of saw it's literally following. Actually, we look a little bit ahead, a little more exponentially ahead of it. So you can kind of see it, but I know you're so excited about this. So I'm going to let you talk about XRP. No, I'm just showing the charts. I'm, I am pretty excited well, about this. If we break 60 cents, the automatic rally is confirmed in XRP. So that's and, really and what I'm we watching. Go? And where do we go up to, Gonzo? A dollar? Once we, hit, once we confirm an automatic rally, that's where we hit that, like, the gap. We start yeah. hitting that gap oh, at 84. Gap. It goes yeah. from 84 to like, you know, a dollar, a dollar 10. It could just start to shoot into that. This is what XRP does, bro. When it rips, it rips, right? And so once we break that that level, that that's where we start to move up. So we'll have to keep an eye on it. Thank you so much, Gonzo. And we're going to close this show out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Gonzo. Thank you to Johnny. And of course, thank you to Jenna X every single Tuesday. We've got 345 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And guys, tomorrow, Crypto Aerie is going to be joining the show. So we're going to be talking some XRP breaking news. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thanks for joining us. Let's go. Let's go. Let me guys. Let me guys.